Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,641. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. I'm very revved up and very excited to talk with a very unique guest today by the name of Roger Nygaard. He's calling in from Los Angeles, and he's a guy that produces some pretty cool stuff. Roger, welcome to Cars Yeah. Are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Oh, we've got the full shoulder shoulder harness on and ready for anything. All right. Well, I hope I don't hit any rails here, so I'll, I'll be careful. We want to get through this alive. We'll have some fun. Before I jump into a proper introduction, though, Roger, I want you to tell our listeners here, what's one little thing that maybe people don't know about you? Oh, wow. Okay. I My, my passion, certainly one of them, is fishing. And so I can give me 45 minutes. I can catch a walleye and make a boneless filet and have it on the table. No kidding. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Well, I got to have you up here to the Pacific Northwest because we have some incredible fishing up here. We're surrounded by the Puget Sound. There's uh, fish of all kinds. Uh, in fact, we were just out on a boat last weekend with some friends and these fish were like jumping out of the water all over the place. And uh, the captain, a friend of mine on the boat, and I said, what are these fish doing? He goes, well, they're getting chased by salmon. Yeah, it's feeding time. Yeah, and they're trying to get away. So uh, his wife said, well, let's throw a few lines in the water and catch some salmon and have some dinner. So every five to six hours, the fish will feed, and that's when you get most of your strikes. Is that what happened? Oh, okay. Well. And that's when you see the minnows jumping, trying to get out of their way. <laughs> that's what, they were all around us. It was incredible. I was just doing a little show, and then later in the day, those bigger fish called orcas showed up and uh, started mm. swimming by us, So, which is Pretty incredible to see a pot of those things go by. I mean, magnificent animals. Well, let me give you a proper introduction. We're going to dive into some questions here. Roger Nygaard is an auto enthusiast and award-winning filmmaker, including his car salesman comedy drama titled Suckers. We've all been one of those buying a car, I'm sad to say. At least I have. <laughs> He's profiled UFO nuts in Six Days in Roswell and Star Trek fanatics in Trekkies and existentialists in The Nature of existence. Roger's latest book and documentary, The Truth About Marriage, examines how we can all make relationships happier. You know, uh, I just celebrated my 35th wedding anniversary, so... Uh, wow, you're doing something right. Something... Well, I just do everything I'm told. That's what my grandpa taught me. They were My grandpa was married for 72 years, so there was some truth in that. Uh, also, I married a woman way smarter than me, so she keeps me on my toes. That was another little secret. Currently, he is co-producing and editing The Comedy Store, a Showtime documentary about the comedians who came through this world's famous L.A. club. We've all heard of a lot of those names. He's also directed TV series, including The Office, one of my favorites, The Bernie Mac Show, another great one, and has edited Emmy-nominated episodes of Who is America, Veep, and Curb Your Enthusiasm. Watch for season 11 of Curb, which starts shooting this November. We're going to come back in a minute, but first a word from our very valued friends and sponsors here at Cars Yeah, so keep your seatbelt on. We'll be right back and learn a little bit about suckers and Roger and buying cars, so sit tight. Did you know that Covercraft is much more than car covers? They offer protection for the inside of your vehicles as well. No matter what kind of vehicle you drive, Covercraft makes a floor mat, a cargo area protection product just for your vehicle. Their plush, custom-fit floor mats turn any ride into something special, 
Their premier Berber custom floor mats, which are a favorite of mine, if you want something very stylish and unique for your favorite ride, they also have Weather Shield floor liners that provide ultimate protection for heavy dirt, mud, snow, and slush. Their Carhartt custom cargo liners not only look great, but keep your rear cargo area and seats protected from the kids, the pets, or whatever's going on back there. Do you have a pet that destroys your vehicles? Covercraft has you covered for that too with a wide variety of pet protection options. Is your vehicle getting a little long in tooth? There's no better way to give it a new car look than with a custom fit floor and trunk mat. I replace mine every few years with something a little different just for fun. All your options are easy to clean, they secure to the floor, and they look oh so good. Don't forget your trunk too. Custom fit trunk liners for sedans, coupes, and SUVs are perfect to protect the factory carpet from all those things that can stain, tear, and damage your carpets. Check out Covercraft.com for the huge number of styles, colors, and options that you'll love. And I've got a deal for you here at Cars Yeah. If you use the Yeah120 code at Covercraft.com, you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order on me. Go to Covercraft.com, use the code Y-E-A-H-120 at checkout and get 10% off today. Covercraft, they've got you covered. American Collectors Insurance. That's who now protects my Porsche Turbo. The one I call my orange crush. They've been protecting vehicles since 1976. With all the time, effort, and money you've put into your classic vehicles, do you know how much you would receive if yours was stolen, damaged, or totaled in an accident or a fire? Your regular auto insurance carriers won't tell you until after the claim, and more than likely, you'll be in for a rude awakening. With an agreed value policy from American Collectors Insurance, you'll be paid your vehicle's full agreed value. No surprises. So don't just hope for a fair claim settlement. Be certain and know exactly what you'll get with an agreed value policy. I shopped around and decided to protect my car with American Collectors Insurance. Give them a call today for a quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866 866- 224-9324 and protect the ones you love. Tell them Mark Green at Cars Yeah sent you. That's American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors, folks just like you and me. All right, Roger, we are back. My wallet's still firmly placed in my pocket, so nobody's picked it quite yet. Although when it comes to buying cars, it's easy for people to take money away from me. I want to start with a success quarter of Mantra. Some kind of saying that has meaning for you in your life. It's a nice way to get those tires spinning here on Cars Yeah, so I'm going to let you take the wheel. Well, I learned a lot about sales by studying car salesmen, and before we made the film suckers, I had to had to learn about sales and what makes a good salesperson. And I came across this phrase. I don't know if you've ever heard it. Tell me if you have. Goya and Cod. Have you heard of that? I have not. Sometimes you might say, I work at Goya and Cod. And somebody will say, well, what's Goya and Cod? Well, it stands for get off your ass and knock on doors. <laughs> That's how you become successful. Whatever it is you're in, you got to make calls, find leads, make new customers, basically work harder than everybody else. I had no idea I worked at Goya and Cod because there's no way I could have interviewed 1,641 people without knocking on an awful lot of doors. How has Goyan Cod worked for you in the profession that you do? Well, as a filmmaker, you've got to be very persistent. And the hardest thing I probably 
come up against, and it's the same as any salesperson, is you. I get a lot of no's. People tell me no, and you have to push through the no's. For example, in the most recent documentary I made, it's called The Truth About Marriage. I felt like before I could finish this doc, which is about why are mar- marriages or relationships so difficult for human beings? Why do we have to work so hard at them? The more psychologists I talked to and interviewed, the more they were referring to the same few psychological relationship researchers, particularly the Gottmans, John Gottman and Julie Gottman, who have an institute up in Portland, or excuse me, Seattle. And so I wanted, I thought, I got to go to the Oracle and talk to them. And so I sent emails, made phone calls, no answer, nothing. This is over several years. And I finally got to a point where like year six and a half, I got to finish this documentary. So I I don't take no for an answer generally when I really need something. So I kept I kept trying again. I finally got their publicist on the phone, a woman named Julie, and she explained to me, you know, they just don't do interviews. They're only they only come to the institute about once a month. It's not something they do. I'm so sorry. And I said, well, well let me just tell you about myself, right? <laughs> no. Part of part of the success is you <laughs> yeah. just keep talking, right? right? And they, so I'm a filmmaker. I worked on Veep, Curb Your Enthusiasm, blah, you know, dropping all this these big names, which are having no effect. <laughs> and then I mentioned my first documentary is called Trekkies, about Star Trek fans. And she goes, oh, John loves Star Trek. And that was my end. Bingo. Well, you know, you touched on a really important thing. I've had some really interesting guests on this show, and a couple of them, Kathy Droz is a good example. She teaches women how to be really good at selling cars because we know that women have a fantastically strong percentage of decision-making in the car buying world. A lot of people don't think that, but it's absolutely true. Russell Flurry, another guest who trains very high-end salespeople, how to sell to people who buy very high-end cars, which is a whole nother market than the rest of us might be shopping in. And I remember Russell saying he had a, a past a student in his class who called and said, I'm having so much trouble. I have this guy who wants to buy a Ferrari and he can't pick between which model. And Russell said, sell them both. Nah. <laughs> That's a good answer. And he said, well, nobody buys a Ferrari because they have to. He wants both of those dreams, selling both those dreams. The guy called back an hour later and said he bought two cars. Yeah, that's great. Right? I mean, yeah, yeah, there you go. So you can't, you know, you can't succeed unless you ask. You've got to ask for the sale. That's one thing the salespeople, the good salespeople know is ask for the sale, ask for the close, ask them. A lot of salespeople are afraid to ask because they're afraid they'll get a no. In But so they don't ask. Right. Where were you when I was in high school? I would have had a lot more dates if I'd just known to ask more. Imagine yeah. if you could go back in time knowing what you know now. Yeah, it might be dangerous. <laughs> Maybe it's better that I don't. But uh, yeah, most definitely. Just ask. And those are the guys that were getting all the dates. They didn't They didn't care if they heard a no. Yeah, it, it, sales is a numbers game. And another uh, important tip that I learned from the salespeople is that, the good ones, is that you should never prejudge a customer. They would want people walk on the lot and you'd sell some salespeople will go, oh, they'll never buy. And if you have that attitude, of course, they're not going to buy from you. But if you treat everyone, no matter how shabby they look or that guy, he doesn't have the money. You don't know how much money somebody has or what they're capable of. You treat everyone as like they're a buyer. I think it was Wayne Gretzky that said, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. So that's exactly true. Ask for that. Well, let's talk about your career. And let's talk about, first and foremost, <laughs> this this uh, redigitization. Is Am I saying that right, of suckers? I mean, because I looked at that and I went, 
well, wait, I mean, these, I, these people were around a long time ago. What's going on here? What's going on with this? I haven't seen the whole thing, but I did get to see some uh, outtakes, I guess, if you will. And, and it made me laugh because it goes back to those terrible old days of the way cars were sold. They're probably still sold that way in some places. So take it away with Suckers. Well, I made a film in the 90s called Suckers, and it's really a time capsule of an era from the 80s and 90s, what it was like at the time at, at the real high-gross dealerships. Not all dealerships were this way, but there were some where they, their goal was to tear your face off. That's the <laughs> phrase they use when they make a good deal. And if you come in and just say, yes, you're a laydown. And so, or if you don't, if you work the deal for several hours, you're a grinder. And I went uh, and studied car sales and based this, the script was based on the life of my co-writer, Joe Yanetti. He sold cars for two years and it was essentially his experience that we documented. And he introduced me to the car sales people that he knew. And he told me stories about what they did to customers and what customers did to them. And I thought, this is crazy. We got to write something about this. And we wrote this script, which is as, as accurate and honest and no holds barred as possible about what really went on at this Southern California dealership. And it's pretty extreme and a little gritty at times. And there's a lot of cussing. And But the sales techniques are accurate. I, or at least we tried to make it as so that any car salesman watching this film would feel like it's accurate. And what, one thing we discovered is that these car sales, these psychological tricks are things that have been going on since the first rug bazaars in Persia 3,000 years ago. A good salesperson is using the same, what the, the psychologists now, they call them fixed action patterns. You want to put someone essentially through a dance. You know what they're going to say when you say this. You know what they're going to do when you do this or that. And you lead them down the path of saying yes. I'll give you one example. Here's a psychological technique, trick, whatever you want to call it. You want to train someone when they walk on the lot to being agreeable, to saying yes. You want to get their brain into the groove of saying yes so that they'll say yes to buying the car. So you start by asking them a lot of simple yes questions that they're going to say yes to. Do you like vacations to nice places? Yes. Do you like uh, cute little puppies? Yes. <laughs> Do you like ice cream? Yes. And you're nodding. You keep nodding your head the whole time. Sure. And they start nodding their head. And now their brain is in a yes, in a nodding mode. And then you, you want to buy this car. And they're like, oh, yeah. Yes. You, you, you want them to say yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a simple trick, which is related to mirroring which is another trick that you use to make someone like you. People buy cars from people they like. So if you begin mirroring them physically, like if they're crossing their arms, you cross their, your arms. If they're standing on one leg, you stand on one leg. If, if they touch their nose, you touch your nose. You mirror their actions, and it's subtle and psychological, but when you do that, people start to feel like you're a lot more, more similar. You're like them, and they begin to like you, and they begin to trust you and listen to you more. Those are a couple of, of, of examples of the of the subtle tricks we wove into the story of this film, Suckers. And just to t finish the story about the film, we finished the film, we sold it to HBO, it was released as an HBO original film in, around the year 2000, when it came out on DVD, and then it sort of went away because it had its life. When the producers who produced the film with me went out of business, I was able to get my hands on the negative before it went in the trash, because sometimes if they don't pay attention, that's what happens, and got the rights back to the film. And then we began the process of restoring it, creating a new master, an HD master, because it has never been seen in high definition, only in standard def 
which was the best format they had at the time. So that means we had to scan each individual frame of the original 35 millimeter Every negative. Every frame? It's a process, yeah. And and then Oh my gosh. Recolor correct it, remix it, join those things together and make a new master, which is now what's uh, available on my Vimeo on demand site or on Amazon. Or if you if you want if you want to look it up, you can get or you can get a Blu-ray. If you go to my website, rogernygard.com, there are plenty of links. Well, it's fascinating. Well, I, any of us who've been around for a while, and I've been r- around for a while, remembers all those little tricks that they use. And, you know, we as consumers would go in all prepared. We Nowadays, you, you can be so prepared, you can blow the salesman away. You know so much more. That's pretty typical now. So the whole thing is reversed. I remember the first time my wife and I, we got married, we went to buy our first car. And after two and a half hours, I was so angry about the whole process and sitting in that room, well, let me go talk to my manager and leaving. You can hear him back there laughing, eating donuts and looking at my wife and she's going, I really want that car. And I'm like, I just want to leave. This is horrible. And uh, luckily you'll be proud of me, uh, Roger, because I finally went, you know what? I came in here wanting to have fun. I love cars. I'm a car guy. You've made this the most miserable day I think I can remember having. (laughs) Goodbye. And I told my wife I was going to do that. And I said, look, there are more of these cars around. We'll find another one. Don't worry. And this might even work to get it where we want to pay for it. And we got up and walked out. And of course, the guy followed us all the way to our car. I'm putting, opening the door for my wife. I'm walking around and I look at him and I go, why did you wreck my day? And I don't know if the guy would ever had somebody do this to him before or not. And he just looked at me and I thought he was going to cry because he thought he had this sale and we'd gone, you know. And I said, shame on you. And I started to get my car and he goes, wait. And I go, what? And he goes, that original price you wanted the car for, you can have it. Again, I, who knows? I still felt like I got swindled, you know, because of it. But I went, seriously, you put me through this? To say that now, I don't know. And I got my car and I drove away. And I drove around the block and she goes, but you're getting it for the price and I want the car. And I go, just let's go get something to eat and we'll go back. And we did. And we went back. I walked in the door. He walked up to me and I put my hand up and I said, only if I'm getting it for what I want. And he goes, okay. And I did. But I still left thinking I was getting swindled. I mean, there's just something, you know, about the whole thing. And just really angry about the whole process. And I swore I'd never do that again. Well, you know what you went, you you found out, this is what they are taught to do is they never stop negotiating until you get up to leave. They have to know you're all done. You have to really, truly indicate you are finished. Well, I guess I, I guess I succeeded in, in some little micron of the whole situation, but ended up being, it was a Jetta GLI, first new car we bought together, ended up being a great car. I tell my friends, if you want to buy a car and get the price you want, go in there and waste the car salesman's three or four hours because then he's really going to be motivated to close a deal because he doesn't want that four hours to be wasted. And then get up to leave and and tell him when he comes running after you because they will only for that price and then you'll get your price. That's part of the fixed action pattern. You go through a little dance. Yeah, well, thinking back, everything you said, they did. Every single thing. And the worst thing is to have your wife there who really wants that car. That's the worst way to do it, right? There's a scene in Suckers where there's a couple that goes in that was essentially you and your wife, and you watch what goes down. If you watch carefully, you'll notice that the salesman realizes the wife is the one who's making the decision. 
she's got the veto power. So at that point, he stops talking to the husband, and he only talks to the wife because you're wasting time talking to someone who doesn't have the power to make the deal. Right. If you watch that subtle shift going on in the scene, you'll notice that's what the salesman realizes and does. Oh, yeah. Now, that that happened to us, too. I saw Crystal. You're bringing back a horrible memory here, buddy. (laughs) I didn't know we were going to go down that road, but uh, I'll try to take a breath and calm down. We'll come back to uh, Roger Nygaard's life here. Well, one of the things that I always like to ask about is a big challenge or a big failure. Now, you're in a business that is a roller coaster ride. I did a TV series for Cars Yeah last year, 13 episodes. I did it all myself, produced it myself. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I was stepping into stuff I never knew I was going to step into. It was fun, but it was definitely a challenge. Nothing to the level that you guys do. I want you to take us on a journey of one of those big challenges in your life. But more importantly, what was that lesson learned that you brought forward with? With respect to making a film or getting a film made? It could be anything you want to share. The more important part of this after you share the specifics is what did you learn from it so you didn't have to go through that again? Well, I already told you about how you have to persist. You push through the nose. And persistence is how you demonstrate to the universe that you're going to succeed. And the filmmaking business is so competitive that you have to be one of those that will keep getting up no matter how many times you're knocked down. A lot of people move out here and get on the ladder to try to make films or work in television, and they leave after two years. But every big step in my life and in in life in general takes – it's about five years to make that next step. Mm -hmm. You really have to earn it. You don't get anything until you've earned it. I mean if some people win the lottery and it kind of ruins them for doing so because you haven't progressed, you haven't been challenged, your muscle has, your muscles haven't been uh, stressed and increased, and your experiences are what give you the strength to, be, to get to the next level. Right. So I'm very encouraging of my friends, and I tell them, just stick it out, keep going. In the Comedy Store documentary I'm working on, Jay Leno says something similar. He says to comedians that if you can just stick it out for seven years and keep going to the clubs every night and performing, by year seven, you'll be a success. You'll get there. But you've got to put the time in. You can't dabble in it. If you want to be a success at something, you can't dabble in it. You have to get your 10,000 hours, as Malcolm Gladwell says. You've got to put in the time and learn and make the mistakes and your brain gets trained to think in a certain way naturally. You have muscle memory that others, that new, new people don't have yet. So, that's so you can act more quickly and make decisions. I, t- I got a job editing a TV show called Grey's Anatomy. And the producer asked me at the interview, can you edit quickly? And I said, well, I'm sure there's people that can push the buttons a lot faster than I do. But I nobody's going to choose the right takes faster than I do. And that's what's going to get it done faster and get you out of the editing room and on to other things more quickly. Absolutely. So how long have you been in this business where you talk about needing to stick with it? You've definitely stuck with it for a while, right? Since age seven, when I found my dad's eight millimeter (laughs) camera and he had left a half a roll of film in it. And so I grabbed it and went out and shot it. And his his still cameras, if you left cameras around and I got into them, I took them apart, used them and decided early or realized early I was drawn to being creative visually. Yeah. And I didn't know at the time I was going to make films necessarily, but I stuck with it. My parents loved to watch movies, and I watched sci-fi films with my dad and Hitchcock movies with my mom. So then in high school, I upgraded you know, to Super 8 films, and then in college to a three-quarter-inch video, and then moved out to Hollywood and began shooting 
film. And then eventually it all switched to digital, of course. And so everyone has the tools to be creative if you want to. So you should. You, I mean, I think our happiness comes from being creative. That's something I discovered making my documentary, The Nature of Existence, which is about existentialism. And the whole point is asking, why do we exist? And what I realized was people often say, how do I find happiness? And that's not a true, an accurate question because it's a false goal. Happiness isn't a goal that you can pursue. The real question is, what is my purpose? Because when you have a purpose that you're pursuing, happiness comes as a byproduct naturally. You're much happier. So I discovered a purpose. You have to give yourself your own purpose. Nobody can give it to you. You've got to give your own life purpose. So for me, it's being creative, making documentaries, working in comedy and television. And uh, to get back to cars, I love cars too. And, and ha you know, playing with and driving and buying and selling cars and you can call them hobbies, right? You've got to have something you pursue. If you have a job you hate, you need something to come back come back to that you love, that you can do daily. Put some time into, you know, changing the, the rotor on your car. You know, if you love Mopar, which I, I love Mopar, I love late 60s cars. And I love as much as making films, but I can't get paid the same. And so I my focus has become editing and directing and writing and producing. But... All that is to say is find something you love doing, do it a little bit every day, and you'll be a much happier person. Powerful words, my friend. We went down a psychological trail there that is very, very powerful. And what you shared were massive uh, golden nuggets and bombs that you're dropping all over the place. So I really appreciate that. And we are going to talk about cars here in a second. But first, we're going to take a short break. I want you to give a little love to my sponsors here because they're the reason I can be here every day. So give them a listen and give them some business if you would. And we'll be right back. We're going to dive into Roger's history with Mopar, there's a good one, and a couple other things. So sit tight, keep the seatbelt on. What do you do after running a race team for 27 years with over 100 professional wins, multiple wins at the 24-hour of Daytona, and a win at Le Mans? Well, if you're Kevin Buckler, a racer and the racing group's team owner, you create Adobe Road Winery. Located in Petaluma, California, he and his team have created a winning combination with the Racing Series. Four ultra-premium red wine blends that are in a class of their own. Like racing, these wines comprise of art, precision, engineering, science, and a whole lot of fun. You can choose from four blends titled Redline, Apex, Shift, and the 24. Today I'm going to tell you about Redline. It's a rich and complex blend delivering a taste of ripe blackberries, black cherry licorice, and a hint of toasty oak. An added very cool option is that this features the world's first interactive wine label. That's right. When you pour the wine, the three-dimensional tachometer actually hits the red line. It's incredible. The Racing Series is a killer gift for the automotive enthusiast in your life, and I've got a deal for you. If you use the code CARSYEAH, all one word, in all caps, when you go to checkout, you'll get $10 off any purchase of wines from the Racing Series. The wine ships promptly and arrives quickly right at your door. Use the code CARSYEAH at checkout for $10 off of your purchase today. There's always a seat at the table for excellence with the racing series. Go to adoberoadwines.com and use the code CARSYEAH to save $10 today. Cheers! My favorite collector car magazine is Keith Martin's Sports Car Market. 
I've been a subscriber for decades. Sports Car Market is the Wall Street Journal for enthusiasts and collectors. It's your monthly must-read. Whether you dream of owning a collector car, maybe you have two, or maybe you've got 200. Sports Car Market has been around for 31 years, and it's filled with valuable articles, intelligent write-ups, and the latest auction sales. Go to sportscarmarket.com and subscribe today. Here's a couple deals I have for you just for listening here on Cars Yeah. If you use the checkout code Cars Yeah, you'll receive a 50% discount on your digital subscription at Sports Car Market. That's an exclusive offer from Cars Yeah. And guess what? Here's another deal. If you'd like to get the actual magazine, use the code BSH for buy, sell, hold. That's code BSH. And you'll get $10 off your annual print subscription. That's right. $10 off. Both of these are exclusive offers here at Cars Yeah for Sports Car Market Magazine. Just go to sportscarmarket.com and get your deals today. Let's step away from the conversation and talk about our charity of choice here at Cars Yeah, America's Automotive Trust. America's Automotive Trust is a group of like-minded nonprofits that are working together to preserve and promote car culture across the country. Together, they provide scholarships and grants to aspiring technicians and restoration artists. They provide youth education programs and bring communities together through auto-related events, car shows, and drives. Among these nonprofits is TechForce Foundation, a great organization dedicated to solving the technician shortage that threatens the transportation industry today. By providing career development resources and increasing awareness and enthusiasm for the tech profession, TechForce is bringing bright young students into the auto, diesel, aviation, marine, motorcycle, motorsports, and restoration worlds. To date, they've awarded more than $10 million in scholarships and grants to tech students. And in times like these, I don't have to tell you how essential those techs are. Keeping our delivery and emergency vehicles running and keeping America rolling. To learn more about TechForce or to make a donation to this cause, visit www.techforce.org. You'll be glad you did. Okay, we are back. I said that word Mopar. That uh, perks some people's ears up because there's some awesome cars there. What was that pivotal moment in your life that instigated the passion that you have for cars and you realized you were a bit of a car guy or a lot of a car guy? If I look back... It would be, I grew up in Minnesota, and it's very cold there, and it gets snowy in the winter, and there's a lot of clouds. What I realized I love, partly because of that experience, is sunshine, sunshine, spring. That's freedom. It means freedom. And so at some point, I realized I must own a convertible. Convertibles are me. That's my thing. It represents freedom. And it's almost like skinny dipping when you've got the top down to your car and you're driving on a beautiful day at sunset. No better feeling, or very few, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. And so when I moved out to California, where we have a lot of sunny days, and it's why Hollywood's here, I shopped for my first convertible and looked at all the cars. And I liked the look of the 328 BMW or the M series or the 3 series. Or the Volvo C70s, those are my favorite, and I bought both of those, and I've driven those, and I'm still driving a C70 convertible, and they're just right for me. It's not too much car, it's not you know too little. It's uh, it, it's the sweet spot for me. Mm-hmm. Ah, marvelous. What was your first really special car in your life, and maybe share a memory you have about that vehicle? 
I bought a 1973 Dodge Charger SE, and the SE is the top trim level. <laughs> yeah. And that's a Mopar classic, and that's where I really had my experience with Mopar. I mean, I just love how easy it is to fix things and change things. And, uh, I mean, I didn't have to do too much on it, you know, except put in new spark plugs and a rotor and a distributor cap and uh, a new blower. But it, it ran great, and that car turned heads. It is. It was such a beautiful car. Uh, it was black with uh, a yellow uh, gold interior, mm-hmm. and it had a 318, so it wasn't the bigger 383, but it still was a beautiful car, and I got to se- the sense of what it felt like to be a blonde because people would <laughs> turn and stare when I would drive the car, and I drove it for two years and sold it for what I paid for it. I yeah. mean, and there's no depreciation on a classic like that. Sure. Fun car, for sure. Well, I'm going to crawl into your head a little bit here, Roger. I'm going to be your psychologist today, all right? I've got you on my couch, and we're talking about life, because you, you did such a great job earlier talking about what makes life important and so forth. Roger, if you woke up tomorrow, and you were manifest as a vehicle, this isn't about what you want to be. This is really how you perceive yourself as a vehicle, based on all your attributes, who you are, what you do. What would Roger Nygaard be? That's a fun question. Well, I would probably have to go with kind of the first image I had of imagining myself zooming down country roads. And it's because when I was growing up, I used I listened to three bands. I listened to Aerosmith, Van Halen, and Rush. And Rush had a song that was on their album called Moving Pictures in 1981 called Red Barchetta. And so I, I always wondered, what is a Barchetta? Because I loved that song so much. And I looked it up. And if I mean, I, if I could be a car, be a 1950 uh, <laughs> Barchetta, because Barchetta means little boat. They're, they're round and beautiful and fast little roadsters that can zoom around corners and through the countryside. And that's that's me. <laughs> If I had to be, that's what I would be. You know, they're absolutely spectacular cars. I just had a guest on the show, David Lillywhite, who uh, is the co-founder of Magneto Magazine with uh, Jeff Love. Jeff's going to be a guest here on the show. I just did a wine tasting, actually, with both of them, with Adobe Road Winery. We had Wayne Creaney on the show, McKeel Haggerty, Lynn St. James. And in this newest uh, edition of Magneto I just got, it, the cover has Colin Chapman of a Lotus fame. Uh, they talk about that little Barchetta and the difference that car made to Ferrari because when it first came out those first designs everybody kind of looked at it and went well there's not much there what what's going on here but of course it's become one of those iconic legendary incredibly value uh, we've we'd all bought one back in the 60s when they were basically worthless we'd all be very happy right now and uh, I just had another guest on the show uh, Christian Philipson who is from Europe he just started Lobelid it's a uh, kind of a bring a trailer type website for the European market. And he talks about finding one of those in his first job working at a car sales company and seeing one in a garage and convincing his boss that he should go back and buy this car. And when he wow. bought it, he overpaid for it. He paid $2,400 for it, which uh, I guess at that time was a massive amount for this used race car, right? Well, the owner of that place almost fired him, but the owner of that place ended up keeping that car until he died. And it's now owned by a big collector in England one of the most beautiful cars so the fact that you're one of those little 
little boat cars, I think, is a really nice testament to uh, how you perceive your life. They're delightful cars. All right, Roger, we're entering what I call the last lap. I'm going to fire off some series of questions for you. Get some quick blips of that little Barquetta throttle. So here we go. What's one of your personal habits? And I think I might know the answer to this, having gotten to know you better here, that you believe has contributed to your many successes in life. Oh, well, you know, it's hard work, of course, but I, I would, I, I'm going to have to attribute that to growing up in Minnesota. There's something that we had there called the Scandinavian work ethic. And if I don't put my day's work in, I feel like a complete jerk at the end of the day. I mean, I've got, you've got to earn your rewards at the end of the day. You've got yes. to put in your time and work hard. And it's just, uh, it was a, it's a cultural thing. It's a Norwegian on my father's side, and when people left Norway, they all moved to Minnesota because it was the exact same cold, inhospitable. Uh, <laughs> they felt right at home. <laughs> environment, yeah. So that's where they all ended up, but they brought that with them. And that's uh, that still applies to how I approach my work. Persistence, grit, hard work ethic. Yeah, all great attributes for every successful person I've had as guest here. How about if I could arrange for you to have a drink or a meal with anyone? And I usually say the automotive industry, but I'm going to include the film industry because that's where you work most of your time. Living or deceased now, who would that individual be and why? Well, I'll give you both. I mean, in the film business, it would be Alfred Hitchcock ah. because he invented so much of what I do and how I look at filmmaking. And uh, in the car world, I bet everybody says Carroll Shelby. Yes. But I'll be different. And uh, I would say Jack Smith, who was the manager of the team that conceived of the Roadrunner, which came out in 1968 and became a, a massive success. And his their plan, their theory was just strip it down to the basics and put the biggest engine they've got in there, which was the 383 although you could get a 426 uh, for a little extra cash, another you know, 600 bucks or something. Yep. But he said, and he, I looked, he just died at the age of 94 in 2017, so you, know, you, you could have met the guy if you yeah. tracked him down sure. recently. But he said a good salesman recognizes that he's not just selling transportation, he's selling social admittance. <laughs> he's selling the impression that you make. And I thought that was brilliant, and it applies, uh, you know, to suckers in sales. And you are selling a dream. I think you—that's a phrase you used, our, you know, earlier yes. in our conversation. You are selling a lifestyle to people, and that's why they buy something. He also said, too. I love this quote: "A car without wheel covers says this ain't my dad's car." <laughs> Well, I feel better now because my Carmen Ghia in high school, I always popped the hubcaps off because I wanted, that was my uh, poor man's Porsche. I wanted a Porsche, but couldn't afford one. So I always pulled the hubcaps off to feel like it was a little bit more racy. That's what Jack Smith said. That's what he, he noticed it because that's what kids did. Yeah. He would take off the hubcaps because what does it do? It's, it's ornamentation that adds weight. Yeah. A lighter car is a faster car. There you go. You don't see hubcaps on race cars, that's for sure. No. Now, I usually ask my guests about the best automotive advice someone else has ever given them. I might twist it up a little bit with you in, in making of this film, Suckers. What's the best advice you could give somebody who's going to buy a car? Well, you started down this road of be knowledgeable about the product you're going to buy. Know before you go in everything about the car. You have to know what the dealer paid for it, and you can find that out. You can get the invoice price at Kelly Blue Book or Edmonds uh, or the DMV, 
and not just the price of the car that the dealer pays, but the price of all of the extras that you want. So you know the total price for everything that they're paying. And that means you also need to know about any kickbacks or holdbacks, they call them, or bonuses. What You might not know that they might have a bonus that they get. and that's So they're factoring that in, and you don't know, and so you, you're not factoring it in. The more you can know, then the better able you are to do what's called dealing from the bottom. The, the salesperson wants to deal from the top, which is get you to beg for a discount from the sticker price. You want to turn the tables and give yourself the leverage and make them beg you to come up from the invoice price. That's dealing from the bottom. Yeah. So if you know what it costs, you can go in and say, you can tell them, I know that you paid X for the car. I'll allow for you to make a $300 profit, and that's what I'm going to pay for the car. Then you spend the next three hours listening to them trying to uh, <laughs> get you to come up from that. And you want to spend – you need to spend the three hours because they're going to be more likely to close the deal if they've spent time on it. Right. If you've just spent 10 minutes, they'll just kick you – let you go out the door and wait for another sucker to come in or another <laughs> lay down yeah. that, that will buy it more quickly. So you want to kind of lead them on a little bit for three hours and then get them to that point so, and start dealing from the bottom. There you go. There's also some great websites I found on YouTube of ex-salesmen who teach you how to do exactly what you've said, how to go through that process and all those little tricks and tips. I, I've, I've listed it too. I've put all this, what I just said and, and more is on my website for the, if you go to ah. rogernygard.com slash suckers, I have a blog that lists everything you need to know to be a better buyer and to be a better salesperson, like the, 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 all the lessons from the movie Suckers. Well, there you go. Roger's going to save you a bundle today. So uh, when you buy that car, reach out and say, thanks, Raj. That was really oh, nice. Oh, yeah. Send you. me an email. I love to hear from people who have done that. Okay. Absolutely. We'll make sure we put all those links on Roger's show notes page. I encourage you to go there and check it out. And, you know, I was going to ask about a resource, but you just named one. A great resource is your website and all those links. I think that's fantastic. Is there another resource you might want to add, a go-to that you've really enjoyed? You know, my most recent documentary, The Truth About Marriage, that's the best resource that I'm most proud of now, and it's because I've spent a lot of time learning about relationships. Uh -huh. And it's at thetruthaboutmarriage.com, and I wrote a book and made the documentary. And the, I, I set out to solve this mystery of why are relationships so hard, and I think I solved it. It's really, there are things you can do, little changes you can make that can vastly affect the trajectory of your relationship now or your next one. And uh, it's that's what I'm most proud of is my most recent work. Well, let me ask you this. I don't want to have a next relationship because I hear they're very expensive. <laughs> I'd like to stay in the one I'm in. I'm quite happy with it. So maybe how about if you could give me one little tip that you learned since I just yeah, celebrated sure. 35 years of, of happy marriage? Uh, what would that be? I would boil it down to this, and maybe you maybe you've probably already realized this. So some, many people get get there through trial and error. The one thing that the the man or the masculine person, and it, you know, we're all masculine and feminine to various percentages, right? And you tend to connect with someone who is the opposite percentage. We're we're designed to complete each other, not duplicate each other. So if you're a very masculine you person you probably want a very me isn't that what dr right. evil said? yes yeah okay. right sorry to interrupt he's but right that's what he's popped right. in my mind dr evil was right all this time <laughs> if you're the masculine one or let's say you're in your masculine phase because women can be there too what you should do 
this little thing you can do. Try this experiment. Go home every day. Put your phone on airplane mode. Turn off the TV. Make eye contact with your partner and say, how was your day? Or how are you feeling? And then shut up. That's the key. <laughs> the hard part is shutting up. Yes. We want to fix things. We want to make suggestions. But what the feminine needs to do daily is process the emotions of the day by verbalizing it for about 15 to 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes, maybe 10 minutes, but on average, like 20 minutes a day. Yeah. It's like a relationship vitamin that we need. And if you're not getting that vitamin, you'll start to get anxious and frustrated, which leads to arguments and conflict. But if you do get it, you'll be so much happier. You'll both be so much happier. Yeah. So just how was your day? And then express empathy. Oh, that's great. Oh, I'm so sorry that happened. But no suggestions and just shut up and listen. That's what they need. They don't want your advice. And the other side of that is what the feminine needs to do for the masculine is understand this, that the masculine part of our personality goes through a cycle. We need, we all want to connect because we're human beings. But once the masculine connects, he yearns for freedom and needs to disconnect and goes through this orbit of connection and disconnection. And the, if you stand in the way of that, it leads to frustration and anger and conflict. So the best way to facilitate that if you're in your masculine is to say, is to announce your disconnection. Just say, honey, I'm going fishing for the weekend, but I am so looking forward to seeing you on Sunday night when I get home at 7 o'clock for dinner. So you're now announcing your disconnection and when you will reconnect. So now the feminine one is secure. There's no need to be insecure. You Okay, he's disconnecting, which he does once a week or whatever, and I know when we're going to reconnect, and I can not worry about it. That's the best advice that I, if I was to boil it all down, that I learned after seven years of making a documentary about relationships, <laughs> that, those, that little trick, those two little things can do the most to improve not only how happy we are, but our best chances for longevity in a happy relationship. Bingo. Uh, I'm very fortunate because, I, as I said earlier, I married a woman who was way smarter than me, and she has taught me quite well. And those two things, I can tell you, early in our marriage, she taught me those two things. And they opened my world as a man who had a very blinders on of what the world was all about, and especially that first one for us guys. Yes, absolutely. Bingo. You're right on, Roger. That's spot on. So well done. Any of you guys <laughs> out you. any of you guys out there, replay this part of the show and listen to it five times and you will be <laughs> happier. I promise you. You'll figure it out. And you'll, you'll get You'll get more sex as a result because everyone's happier. Yeah, you will. <laughs> I'll promise you that too. Works really great. There's a benefit out of all of this. Magnificent. Thanks for sharing that. I think it's great. How about a book that you've read? Is there a book that you'd like to share? Well, mine, The Truth About Marriage. Yeah, um, of course. Is my, uh, I'd love to share that with people. But a book I read recently is called Sapiens, which is a ah, fantastic awesome read. It's book, about the yeah. history of who we are as human beings and yeah. and you really need to understand yourself and learn to accept yourself. That's one of the other secrets to happiness and then accept the same for your partner. So I found that book is really great in terms of explaining who we, what we are as a species. You know, it's fantastic. Somebody just suggested that book not too long ago to me and I had got it because my son had read it by uh, Harari. Is that Harari? I think is. Yeah, author? it's a hard name to pronounce. He's Israeli. Fantastic writer. Yeah, Noah. And he's got a, a Noah or yeah, yeah, 
Yuval Noah in, Harari. That's it. Put it in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, there we go. We'll put it there. It's a great book. You should get your hands on it. All right, Roger, we're up to the checkered flag here. Uh, I kept you a little longer than I thought, but this has been a really fascinating talk, and I'm so glad that you, I've spent some time with you and I got to meet you. I want to do a quick shout out to Jenna, who's uh, helped you with your PR. She's the one that connected us. She did a great job of hounding me. I think a whole bunch was going on, and I had missed her email, and she got back with me, and here we are. So you're doing your job, Jenna, earning your money. That's great. Everyone should have a Jenna. Everybody needs a great Jenna in your life, definitely. So I'm going to buy you a cool collector car today. Could be a Mopar, could be a Barquetta, could be something else. Boy, those are two different very price ranges, aren't they? Better be careful what I <laughs> offer here. But there's a couple rules to this game here, Roger. One is you can't sell it to fund your next film. You got to keep it. I want you to enjoy it. Drive it. It's got to check all the boxes. So when you walk out to the garage and you go, that's the car I'm going to drive today. But here's the kicker. It's the only one collector car you can have. The others are just daily drivers. The one special vehicle. So you can keep what you have. And I don't have to spend a dime today, which is fine with me. Or I'm going to write maybe a very big check. So tell me what I can buy Roger Nygaard today. That's easy. I mean, if you look back at our talk, uh, you could probably predict where I'm going to go. The 1969 Roadrunner, yeah. yellow, and I would bump it up to the 426 Hemi. <laughs> and th the reason 69 over 68 is because in 69, they came out with a convertible version. Ah. And also, the decal went from a black and white walking Roadrunner to a color running Roadrunner. Yeah, yeah, those are great. I remember those as a kid thinking, how cool is that, you know, to have that Roadrunner. Of course, being a kid back in the 60s and watching the Roadrunner and the Coyote and all that. So it all blended together really, really nicely. And the horn, right? It had the horn of the actual beep beep. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, I'll get to work. See if I can find you one of those. I'll bet there's a few of them out there. I know a lot of people in <laughs> auction companies and collections, so I'm sure I can find you one of those cars. Roger, you've taken me on a really fun journey, fun ride today. This has been a real treasure, and I want to thank you for sharing your life with the Cars yeah audience. Before I let you go, though, could you share one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you race off into the sunset in that beautiful 69 Roadrunner? I would say that we all... There's another book. Here's an, I'll give you another book recommendation. Okay. I once read this story about a financial advisor. Someone had asked him, can you explain to me what I need to do to be able to retire and as a millionaire or to have enough money? And he said, it's easy. I can write everything you need to know on the back of one note card that will get you there. And he did. He wrote it on a note card. If you Google the note card, you'll see what he wrote. And Primarily, he wrote down, save 20% of your income every year, and you will be a millionaire by the time you retire. That's the number one thing. And then what do you do with it? Well, put it in stock, you know, mutual fund, indexed mutual funds without any management fees. If you just do those two things, you're going to be able to retire very comfortably. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. For you young folks, and I've taught my kids this way, that is the secret. Live below your means. Take 20%. If you can take more, take more. Uh, and all that stuff you think is important really is not that important. The security of your life later and the freedom to do whatever you want to do. Say you want to pivot and become a filmmaker later in life. You'll have the money to do it. So uh, there you go. A lot of words of wisdom from Roger Nygaard today. And the best way for people to track down you and keep in touch with who you are is? RogerNygaard.com. And it's Nygaard is N-Y-G-A-R-D. That's got me and all my films, and you can find Suckers, you can find The Truth About Marriage, and all my other films, and, and you can contact me. 
There you go. I hope you do that. And by the way, uh, his cohort in crime, uh, fellow filmmaker Joe, is going to be on the show in a couple days here. So we're going to learn the other side. Maybe I'll ask Joe, what's one thing you can tell me about Roger that most people don't know? And we'll see if he says the same thing, that fishing <laughs> story. But we'll see where we go with that. Hey, Roger, this has been really fun. Again, thanks to Jenna for connecting us. She's been so great. Jenna Kershon is her last name uh, for connecting us. This is so much fun. Uh, I want to thank you for sharing some really insightful things today. I didn't know we were going to go down some of these paths. You've learned a lot in this filmmaking career, and I appreciate you sharing it. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you down the road. Thank you. You're welcome. If you're listening to Cars Yeah, you've probably spent some time working on your favorite ride. But how confident are you working on your finances? You may be able to rebuild a fuel injection system, but can you decipher the details of a mutual fund? If you're like me, investments, insurance, annuities, budgeting, and other financial concepts may seem a bit daunting, but what if I told you there's a book that describes these subjects and more in an easy-to-read and a very humorous way? My friend Chris Kimball, CFP, a longtime sponsor and past guest here on Cars yeah, has written that book, and it's titled The Saga of Ike and Penny, a couple's humorous journey through the confusing world of finance. It's a fun look at things you need to know, everything from investing to effective ways to get rid of credit card debt, and it's probably the only book on finance with a VMAX on the front cover and a classic Mini Cooper on the back. The book's available at Amazon for just $10, and this book will dramatically improve the direction of your financial future. I gave copies to each of my children. All securities are through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Christopher Kimball Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Get your copy, The Saga of Ike and Penny, today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!